We're going to be in Joshua, and we're going to be in chapter 14 today. Um, Last week, if you were here, uh, you know that I preached under the title, You're Not Done Yet. Well, um, this week, with the Lord's help, I want to follow that up with this message today, You're Still Not Done Yet. You're Still Not Done Yet. I want to throw some names out at you real quick and uh, see if you will know what they all have in common. I'm going to guess you won't, uh, because like me, you've probably not even heard of uh, the majority of these people. But here's a list of names for you. Gladys Burl, Teachi Igarashi, you'll know this one, John Glenn, you know this one, Colonel Sanders, Christopher Plummer, Oscar Swan, and Dale Davis. They all have something in common. And I'll just tell you what it is. They all showed that age is just a number. Age is is just a number. Each of these people accomplished things that many people half their age could not do. For example, Gladys Burrow completed a marathon in 9 hours, 53 minutes, and 16 seconds at the age of 92. It earned her a place in the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest female to ever complete a marathon. Teichi Igarashi climbed Mount Fuji. That's a lot of ease. When he was 100 years old. While others his age were enjoying retirement and living in villages and playing golf all day, John Glenn was preparing to become the first American to orbit the earth. And he did it at the age of 77, making him the oldest person to ever travel to space. Colonel Sanders was 65 years old when he received his first Social Security check. It was $99. And at that point, he made a decision that he needed to change his life. And so with his chicken recipe, he took to the road and began to travel all over the nation until someone took a chance on him, and Kentucky Fried Chicken was born. Christopher Plummer won an Oscar at the age of 82. Oscar Swan is the oldest person to earn a medal in the Olympics. He was 72. And Dale Davis bowled a perfect game of 300 In 2008, he was 78 years old. Oh, and he was blind. So age really is just a number, as we'll see from our study today. So if you have your Bible, open to Joshua chapter 14. Follow with me. If you don't have a Bible today, we'll put the verses on the screen for you. But look at verse 1, and these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of uh, the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them. 
By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and for the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of two tribes and a half-tribe on the other side of Jordan. We talked about that last week. We cautioned you, don't stop short. Don't pull up too early. But unto the Levites, he gave none inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save cities to dwell in with their suburbs for their cattle and their substance. And the Lord commanded Moses, or excuse me, as the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. I want to say something real quick about the Levites. We read this last week. I didn't address it last week, uh, but I want to address it this, this week because we read it again today that the Levites did not inherit land like all of the other Israelites did. And here's why. The Levites were the ministers. They they were the pastors, the, the, the ministry people, if you will, uh, for all of Israel. And they oversaw the, the worship of the entire nation. Uh, the Levites were responsible for the tabernacle and for all of the, uh, the, the implements in, in the, the tabernacle that had to do with uh, with, with worship as well as overseeing the sacrifices and, and the offerings of the people. And here's the deal. The Levites were always on the move. They were always traveling. They were always accommodating worship. And so they didn't get a, a, a designated piece of land to settle in. They had various cities where they would go and they would minister and, and, and they would be a part of. But they didn't have a permanent uh, place. As a matter of fact, uh, Joshua chapter 13, verse 33 says this, the Lord was their inheritance. The Lord was their inheritance. Let's go on, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So he's 85 years old now. 
And I love this. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then at 40, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were grayed and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Canaan, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Now, we don't know a lot about this man named Caleb. As a matter of fact, he's only mentioned like eight times in all of the Bible. And three of those times are right here in the book of Joshua. And we're not going to turn there this morning for time's sake, uh, but we're first introduced to Caleb uh, back in Numbers chapter 13. The children of Israel were promised the land of Canaan, the, the promised land, and Um, Moses was the leader at that time, and so he put together this 12-man recon team, of which Caleb and Joshua were both a part. So it was Caleb, Joshua, and 10 other men. And Moses told them to to go in the land and to uh, gather information about what kind of land it was, and and uh, was it good for farming? Was it good for food? And, and they were supposed to find out um, if it was good for uh, the grazing of their animals. Uh, they were to find out uh, who lived there and how many there were and how strong they were and how well fortified they were and how well armed they were. And so these 12 men Uh, went in and they gathered all of the information that Moses wanted them to gather. And they came back and they, after 40 days, they were there 40 days, and after they came back, they gave this report to Moses. In essence, here's what they said. Moses, the land is amazing. It's rich, it's fertile, it's fruitful, It's everything that we could have ever hoped for, but we can't have it. We can't get it. They said the cities are too large, and they're too fortified, and the people that live there are too big, and they are too strong, and we just can't do it. And at that moment, Caleb spoke up, and he said, we can do it. We can do it. Because the Lord is with us. And if you go on to read there, you you find out that that the negative voices, the ten negative voices of the ten drowned out the positive voices of Caleb and Joshua. So Caleb and Joshua had the faith to believe. The other ten did not. And that really angered God. 
It really set God off because God had said, I'm going to give you that land, but yet you've got 10 people saying, well, we can't do it, gave all these reasons why. And so God got so angry, he, he just wanted to destroy all of them. But I'm done. Moses went to God on their behalf, and he pleaded with God, and, and God spared their lives, and he didn't destroy them. But he was not going to let their lack of faith go unpunished. And so here's what he did. For every day that they spent spying out the land, God said, I'm going to give you a year of wandering around in the desert. And he said, there will be none of you of this generation, save Caleb and Joshua. They're the only two. The rest of this generation, you're going to die in the wilderness because of your lack of of faith. And so that brings us to our text in Joshua chapter 14. Finally, after 45 years, at the age of, of 85, don't lose sight of that. Caleb is 85 years old, but he is, is, is about to get the reward of his faithfulness to the Lord. So with the time that we have remaining, I want us to, to look at the life of this man named Caleb and hopefully learn some things today. And we'll begin with this. We'll begin with his character. Three times, you read it as I read it this morning, three times in his 14th chapter, we read the phrase, holy followed the Lord. I wonder how many this morning sitting here including myself, regardless of our age, could honestly say this, I am wholly, wholeheartedly following the Lord. I wonder how many of you this morning, I see Brother Marlon back here, and, and I use him all the time for illustrations because he's always wearing something I can use. He's wearing our theme t-shirt from last year here at Fellowship Baptist, all in, all in. I wonder how many this morning could honestly say with, with their hand raised to the Lord, God, I'm all in. Going back to our message last Sunday morning, I, I wonder how many here uh, could honestly say in their heart this morning that in my life as a believer, halfway is not okay. You may have heard the name D.L. Moody. Moody was a, 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 a shoe clerk who became a Sunday school teacher and later became a mighty evangelist. And one of his trips to England, uh, he heard a man preaching at an outdoor meeting. The man's name was Henry Varler. And in a private meeting with Mr. Varler the following day, Henry Varler said this, Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. And by his own testimony, it was those words that spurred D.L. Moody on to a level of effective ministry that the world has seldom seen since. And I don't suppose any of us this morning will ascend to the heights of ministry greatness that D.L. Moody did. 
But then again, that should not be our aim. Our aim should, should not be to do as good as D.L. Moody did. Our aim as a believer this morning ought to be to do as good as we can do. With the ability and the, the giftings that God has given us. We don't have to, I don't have to worry about somebody else's ability and, and how well they do. Listen, I need to focus on my own self and God's gifts to me and the abilities that he's given me. And, and what am I doing with those gifts and those abilities every single day to, to promote the kingdom of God? Our aim should not be, listen, it should not be to just get by with the bare minimum. We shouldn't strive to just do enough to salve our conscience for the week until the next Sunday rolls around. Listen, I'm speaking to believers this morning, and I'm telling you, it should not be acceptable to any of us. To just give God a, a tip of our time and our resources. Say, well, preacher, what, what basis do you have to say that? Well, it's, it's on the basis of the Word of God. Uh, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He said, what? Know ye not that ye are not your own? And he's writing to saved people. He's writing to Christians, believers in the church at Corinth. And he said this. He said, you're not your own. He said, you are bought with a price. Brother Wallace Williams brought that up this morning in our Bible study class. You are bought with a price. Therefore, based upon that, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And how do we glorify God in our body and in our spirit? I'll tell you, it's by going all in. It's by purposing in our heart that halfway is not okay. And let me just say this real quick before we move on. Those who do not follow the Lord wholly with all of their heart that aren't all in, that in their life halfway is okay. Listen, here's, here's the truth this morning. They may very well obtain more of what matters in this life. That is, as you look around, they... Because they're not wholly following the Lord and, and they're not all in for God and they're not giving God their, 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 their lives. Listen, they may very well have more of their own time and more of their own resources to enjoy now. But listen to me. Those who do follow the Lord now are going to have more of what really matters in eternity. So I'll give up some temporal comfort and pleasure and, 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 and niceties in this life knowing that one day my sacrifice and my willingness to go all in for God will be rewarded with something that can never be taken away from me. Caleb's character was one of wholehearted, all-in commitment. And that character, I believe, is what attributed to his confidence. Caleb had confidence in the Word of God. Five times in these 15 verses, he referenced what God had said. Let me show you, if you have your, your Bible open there, look at verse 6, that the Lord said. Verse 10, as He said. 
And again, the Lord spake this word. Look in verse 12. The Lord spake. And the last four words of that verse, as the Lord said. Listen, Caleb's confidence was, was not in his fighting ability. It, it wasn't in his physical strength at the age of 85. It wasn't in his cleverness. It wasn't in his military uh, strategy. It wasn't in his diplomacy. You know where Caleb's confidence was? It was in the Word of God. Caleb's request for this mountain, you, you, you note, he didn't say, now give me a mountain. He's very specific. He said, give me this mountain. And why did he say, give me this mountain? Because God had told him previously that you are going to have that mountain. And he believed God would keep his word. Anyone here who would say, man, pastor, I would, I would love to have that much faith. Pastor, I would love to, to, to have that kind of faith. Well, listen to me this morning. You can. You can. And here's how. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? Help me, church. By the word of God. Listen, the key to a growing faith is a growing relationship with and an ever-increasing knowledge of this book. Say, man, Pastor, you have, in this series on the book of Joshua, you sure have talked a lot about the Bible. You've talked a lot about being in the Bible. Absolutely. And here's why, because you go back to Joshua chapter 1, and God promised success to those who would, would digest it, and, and to those who would, would, would declare it, and to those who would do it. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Listen, we will not grow spiritually unless we are in this book. This book is the food. This book is what you and I must have on a daily basis if we are going to grow spiritually. Say, well, preacher, I, I want to have greater faith. Then get into the Word of God and learn more about who God is and what God has done and what God can do, and it'll increase your faith. Joshua's faith was in what God had said. So Caleb's character led to his confidence. And I say this, his confidence led to his courage. Look back in, in verse 10. You still with me? Verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. Now watch this. For thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord 
said. The area that Caleb requested was called Hebron. He had been there. He'd seen it. His feet had walked on it. He knew what it was like. He knew that it was a, a land that flowed with milk and honey and corn and wine and grapes and figs. Caleb knew that, that it was a rich land, that it was a, a land worth having. But he also knew that there were some adversaries there, the Anakims. The Anakims were a formidable race of giant, warlike people. According to Smith's Bible Dictionary, the name Anakim means long-necked or tall. Caleb, listen, Caleb was not so naive as to think that he was just going to waltz into, into Hebron and put up his tent and just start chilling for the rest of his life, enjoying the very best that God had for him. Not at all. Not at all. He wasn't that naive. Now, he knew full well that it was going to be a battle. If he wanted God's best for him, then he was going to have to fight for it. And he was going to have to do battle with some very fierce competitors, with some giant-like people. But he also knew that having God's best was worth the fight. It was worth the fight. How many times in this study have we talked about that? Listen, I may have missed a lot in the first 13 chapters of this book, but one thing that I've not missed and one thing that I have uh, kept before you virtually every service is this. If you want God's best, you got to fight for it. It's a battle. It's a battle every day we got to go to war every day against the, the forces of evil who want to keep us away from God's best. Uh, enemies, uh, spiritual enemies who want to uh, keep us out of the promised land. Wanna, they want to keep us out of, of God's very best for us and want to try to convince us that the, the battle is too hard and battle is too long and, and the enemies are too strong and you just need to settle over here. Uh, listen, halfway is okay. No, listen to me. It's not okay. Not if you want God's best. Not if you want the richest and fullest blessings that God has for us. If you want to go forward and you want to gain ground for God, then you got to fight. But listen to me this morning. The battle is worth it. The battle is worth it. Like Caleb, we'll, again, we're going to have some opposition in it to overcome. But then again, as it's been said, the door of opportunity always swings on the hinge of opposition. Listen, anything worth having is worth fighting for, worth sacrificing for. And there's no place in our life that that is more applicable than in our spiritual life. As I see it, Caleb faced three enemies in his pursuit of God's best. Try to give them to you real quick. The first enemy 
was the enemy within him, the enemy of fear. Franklin Roosevelt once said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Mark Twain is quoted as saying, courage is not the absence of fear, but acting in spite of it. And I think both of those statements are applicable to Caleb's situation. If you remember, part of the report, we've already gone over this, part of the report given to Moses uh, by the the, the men that went in there was that there were giants there. Their assessment at the end of the day was this. Moses, those guys were so big, uh, you can go back and read it, Numbers 13, we look like grasshoppers. The giants were there, and they were real. And there, listen, there was reason to fear. We can't fault them for being fearful. There was reason to fear. And quite honestly, I think it's unrealistic for me to stand here and tell you this morning, but I'll tell you what, Caleb wasn't afraid. I think that's unrealistic. I think Caleb had fear. I think Caleb had concerns. I think Caleb had some worries. But you know what the difference was? Between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies, they were not willing to allow their fear to overrun their faith. God said that they could have it, and they believed it. They believed it. Not only did Caleb have to overcome the enemy within him, but he also had to overcome the the enemy around him. Again, the Anakims, these were real people. They were a a formidable race of giant, warlike people who presented a real problem for Caleb. But Caleb refused to look at them. Listen, he refused to look at them from his viewpoint. Rather, Caleb chose to look at them through the eyes of the God he served. Instead of saying, look how much bigger they are than I am. You know what Caleb said? Look how much smaller they are than God is. I know that whatever the obstacle may be this morning, and we've talked about a number of those throughout this study. I know that the obstacle that keeps getting in your way of spiritual progress looks like a giant. I know you've, you've, you've come to church and you've, you've heard the preaching and you've left with a new resolve and a new vigor and vitality to, to whip that, that enemy and get on to God's best for you. And it's and, 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 and been hard. Man, you've suffered some defeats. And you've suffered some setbacks along the way. But just remember this morning, That the God who is in you is greater than the giant that is before you. Now listen, I'm not intending to to stand here and give you a rah-rah session right now. This is biblical truth. The God that is in you is bigger than any giant around you. So there was the enemy within him, there was the enemy around him. But I think there was one more enemy that Caleb had to overcome, and he did. And I'll call this the enemy upon him. That was his age. His age. 
Caleb was adventurous in old age. It's amazing to me. His greatest challenge came when most were thinking of retirement and security. I mean, when others were choosing to coast down the mountain, Caleb was preparing to claim one. I love his attitude. It's so refreshing. Instead of saying, listen, I've done this long enough. It's time for someone else to do it. Here was Caleb's attitude. Let's go. He looked at them young bucks around him. Hey, let's do this. Let's get it on. Listen, God said it was ours. Let's go get it. Chuck Swindoll said this about attitude. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. Get that? He said, well, my attitude is right. There's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Don't let your age affect your attitude. Come on now. Don't let your age affect your attitude. And don't let it keep you from serving God. Do not, listen, do not let the devil convince you that just because your age is increased that your usefulness for him has decreased. Now I get it. I get it. There may be some things that you can't do anymore. I get that. But listen to you preacher this morning. There are still some things you can do. And there's, there's so much that I would love to say right here. But I'm, I'm going to give way this morning to a, to a writer that I have really enjoyed using his work in the book of Joshua his name's Arthur Pink. I don't agree with everything that, uh, that he would espouse, but I, I, I use, he's got a lot of wisdom with the book of Joshua. And I'm going to let these words hopefully challenge you this morning. Uh, watch carefully. He said, it is not the revealed will of God that his people should spend their old age in idleness. He does not preserve them through the years or through all the dangers of youth and the trials of maturity that they should be mere cumberers of the ground. He may well suffer them to become exceedingly tottery. This is an old book. It means unsteady, unstable. God may permit that to happen and perhaps, he said, bedridden. And entirely dependent upon others. Yet even so, it is their privilege and duty to beg him to make good in them that precious word, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. He went on to say this, listen, if you are among the more mature here today, listen. They may still commune with the Lord and manifest the effects thereof. The decay of nature is no reason why grace should languish. Even when thoroughly helpless, the fruits of patience, meekness, and gratitude may be born. And they may carry themselves as the monuments of God's goodness 
and the memorials of his faithfulness and thereby show forth his praises. Now I want you to really hone in here with me. Though the strenuous efforts of earlier years be no longer possible, the ministry of prayer is available unto the very end. And I love this. Look at this. And who can tell? And who can say that more will not be accomplished therein for eternity in this issue of prayer than any other spiritual activity? Hmm. Preacher, what did he say? Here's what he said. You may not be able to work in the nursery anymore, but you can pray. You may not be able to mow the church's grass anymore, but you can pray. You may not be able to drive a bus anymore, but you can pray. Come on. You can pray for your pastor and his wife. You can pray for your co-pastor and his wife. You can pray for our ministry staff and, and their families. And you can do that every day. You, you, can, you can pray for every service. You can pray for our missionaries and, and our church planters and their families. Are you listening to me this morning? I know you can't drive a bus anymore. And I know you can't work in the nursery anymore. And I know you can't go upstairs and, and work with the children anymore. And, and I know there are some things that physically time has just taken away from you and you can't do anymore. But listen to your pastor this morning. You can pray. Every day. And who can say, who can say that more will not be accomplished therein in your praying than was ever accomplished when you worked in the nursery or when you drove a bus or when you taught Sunday school or when you cleaned the church or when you mowed the grass? Who's to say? That you're not going to do more in the end of your life in prayer than you've ever done at any moment in your life. Do not let your age keep you from serving God. Pray for the sick. Pray for the hurting. Pray for the lost to be saved. No matter how old you are or how long you've served the Lord, listen to me, you're still not done yet. You're still not done yet. Well, we've covered Caleb's character. He wholly followed the Lord. He was all in. Halfway was not okay. We've seen his confidence. He Never forgot God's promise to him. He never lost faith that God would, would make it happen. He, he believed the word of God and he acted on it no matter how he felt because he knew God promised a good result. We've seen his courage, the courage to do battle with the enemy within him, which is fear, and the, the enemies around him, which were the Anakims, and, and the enemy that was upon him. He, he did battle with his age. Real quick, let me point out a 
a few things real quick about his conquest. Look again in verse 14. I'll hurry. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. So Caleb got his mountain. He did. He got his mountain. You know what the name in, in Hebrew, you know what the word Hebron means? It means fellowship. So at the end of the battle, when all was said and done, Caleb got to enjoy a life of fellowship with God. But Caleb, listen, if you study it, he didn't just take the mountain. He took the area all around the mountain. So you know what else he got to enjoy? He got to enjoy the fullness of God's blessings. He was able to enjoy all that God had for him. And you know what else Hebron was known for? It was known for its fruitfulness. Now you think about it. What a blessing at the end of his life because of his character and his confidence and his courage. Caleb got to live out his remaining days on the mountain of fellowship, fullness, and fruitfulness. As our musicians come, no matter... No matter what stage of life you're in this morning, whether you're young, like these teenagers, or whether you're more mature, like some of you, there's something to challenge you from the story of the life of this man named Caleb. Maybe you were challenged by Caleb's character because he was all in for God. And this is the second week that I brought that up, and, and, and I'm serious about it. Listen, we need to be all in for God. It doesn't matter how old we are. We need to say in our hearts, listen, halfway is not okay. And maybe you've been challenged again today by the commitment, the character of Caleb. Maybe you were challenged by his confidence in God and his word, and, 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 and maybe God has prompted you this morning and, uh, because there have been some areas in your life where you've, you, you've kind of lost heart in the promises of God. Maybe you've kind of lost heart and lost faith in God's promise to answer prayer or God's promise to honor your giving or, or God's promise to, to bless uh, you in some way to see you through the storm. And, and maybe Caleb's faith in God has just bolstered your faith again man i haven't prayed about that in a long time but i'm going to start praying about it again because i know god answers prayer and i know god honors giving and i i know god's going to see me through this i'm not going to quit i'm not going to give up maybe it was caleb's courage that challenged you courage to overcome fear the church the courage to overcome obstacles courage to Overcome what others would consider the limitations of age. Maybe you've been using your age and years of service as an excuse to slow down or to step aside. Don't do that. Don't do that. God's got a life of fellowship, fullness, and fruitfulness. For those who are willing to live committed, confident, courageous lives. Let's pray.